Like I said, we had gotten down to about verse 12 of last week in chapter 33 here in Genesis. Up prior to this point, we had the meeting of uh, Jacob and Esau here uh, after about 20 years of being apart. And as we had talked about uh, last week and probably the weeks prior, about how uh, worried Jacob was about this meeting, uh, how it was going to go, whether or not he was going to attack him, kill him, overthrow him, uh, what have you. But last week, we had came up and we had seen the initial meeting of Jacob and Esau here and how we saw uh, Esau had clearly forgiven him, had, uh, had, had, was, was very happy to see him and, and just overly joyed. And, and we talked about uh, some of the things that had happened prior to it. We talked about how uh, the gifts that was given to him and, and, and the discussions that went on there. But ultimately, what I just want to remind you of is the meeting here and, and how that they had, uh, had met, how Jacob was worried about it, uh, but yet uh, we find that Esau was, was uh, extremely happy to see him, how that he was, uh, uh, had forgiven him of uh, the wrongdoings that, that Jacob had done to him, and that's pretty much where we left off at. I, don't, I didn't want to get too far back in history and everything else. I mean, you know, we could spend all class trying to review up to this point, but I'm not looking to do that. But any other thoughts or comments up to this point? Yes, sir. Yes, that was uh, the end of the chapter prior. That's right, uh, where he had fought, fought with the, the angel. But, uh, but that's where we, we're going to pick up at here in verse 12, and we're going to read verses 12 through 17 real quick. Uh, and, and this is pretty much right after they meet uh, and, and talk about you know, what the, the groupings were and, and whether or not uh, Esau is going to accept the, the presence and everything. Uh, and, and, but Esau, you know, as we saw in, in uh, verse 11, that Esau did accept it. But starting in verse 12, it says, Then Esau said, Let us take our journey. Let us go, <clears throat> and I will go before you. But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are weak, and the flocks and the flocks and herds which are nursing are with me. And if the men should drive them hard, one day all the flock will die. Please let my Lord go on ahead before his servant. I will lead on slowly at a pace which the livestock that go before at a pace which the livestock that go before me and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord in Sierra. And Esau said, Now let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, What is there <clears throat> what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. And Jacob journeyed to Sakoth, uh, built him a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Sakoth. Sakoth. I'm thoroughly 
butchering that name. But um, but the name literally means booths uh, because of the the booths that he made for his livestock and the coverings there. Uh, but that's the reason, or that's what the name is. And that's why it was called what it was called, because what Jacob had done there as far as building these things. But so we have, uh, once again, we have Esau and Jacob coming together, and Esau has suggested what? What did he want to do? Want to go before him? Uh, lead him on into the land so that he can come down uh, to where he was at, pretty much. Why do you think Esau might have wanted to go before him? He says, I'll go before you. Okay. Tell everybody we're okay, we're fine. Uh, possibly even for protection. We talked about last week how that these him and these 400 men were uh, most likely some some type of soldiers, uh, which is one reason why he might have you know suggested to to leave some men with him as they traveled, just to, for protection aspects. You know, uh, almost like having an armed guard there with you, leading you on uh, to where you needed to go. But uh, once again, Jacob says, "What need is there?" You know, I mean, why, why, why do I need that? But ultimately. Uh, Jacob had, had encouraged Esau to kill, go on back. Uh, he said, you know, I've got you know, uh, young livestock and kids, and you know, we can't push on too hard is what you, you guys will be doing. Uh, you know, we're going to go at a very slow pace so that uh, no one dies. And so he ended up encouraging him to keep going, and, and so Esau returned back. Now, I'd heard, or I've read a lot of different aspects on this this aspect here, you know, as far as, you know, Jacob, uh, in a sense, uh, making mention that he's going to come to Seir uh, with Esau, and, and as we read, we you know, he never, uh, or at least we don't read of him going there, now it could be that he's set up in Sakoth um, there, and after being there and getting things situated, he might have went down visiting um, I don't really know for sure if Esau was inviting him to come down to the land that he was dwelling in so that they can all dwell together. Um, and, and that was another thing. It could be that the reason on why Jacob didn't want uh, his men to keep traveling together is for the same reason that uh, Abraham and Lot had to split up. It's because you know, the, the bickering in between uh, the two different groups there. Now, been a little different because Esau's group didn't have herds with them that they were going to be fighting over the lands and what have you. But, but just many different things there, um, thoughts there. But we find that Jacob journeyed to this place that I can't seem to pronounce and, uh, and built for himself a house and made booths. Now, this place is just on the east side of the Jordan River, so it's, it's uh, not in the promised land, if you would, as far as uh, land of Canaan, and uh, <clears throat> so he hadn't quite crossed the Jordan River and come into the Promised Land. But uh, I had read, and I don't know how true this is, but I had read that it, it's it, he could have stayed here for about two years uh, in this place. Uh, and uh, one of the thoughts that I had read about uh, it could be that he was 
staying here, trying to recover some of the loss of, of what he had given away uh, to his brother because uh, he, had, he had given away 580 uh, different livestock. <clears throat> so it could be that he was trying to recover from that before he continued on. Don't really know what was going on here as far as why he stayed here um, in this particular land. But any other thoughts or comments? Yeah. In verse 18, we pick up and going through the rest of the chapter, it says, Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is, the, which is in the land of Canaan. When he came from uh, Padan Aram, uh, and he pitched his tent before the city, and he bought uh, the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent from the children of uh, Hamar, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. Then he erected an altar and called it Alon El Alon Israel. Is that semi-close there, Jim? All right, somewhat there. Hopefully you can see it. Um, what's that? All right, it's not one you used often? All right. But uh, one important thing here is... Do you, do you see anything special in verse 18 as we, as we see Jacob coming into this, uh, to Shechem? Well, I, th- I think uh, part of what's going on here and the reason why it says the way it says it, because it says, he came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padan Aram. Now, I mean, he, he'd been in this other place for, like I said, somebody wrote in Wrote and said it could have been that he was up there for about two years. Don't know that for sure. It doesn't really give us a time frame. But, I mean, he obviously stayed there for some time because he had built these booths and built a house and um, what have you and stayed there for a little bit. So he'd been there for some time, but you know, it didn't make mention of, oh, well, you know, he, he came from Padanaran and, and, you know, built these, these booths and, and built himself a house and stayed here for some time. But yet we have Jacob coming into the land of Canaan. You know, he's, he's, in a sense, finished the journey that he started off when he left Laban. You know, he left Laban to come back into the promised land, to come back into uh, the land that the, that the Lord had promised uh, to, to his descendants. When, uh, when he left out, he, the Lord had said to him in Bethel, said You're, uh, that he will be with him and bring him back. And now he's come back. He's back into the land of Canaan. Uh, I think it, it, the, the writer here you know, points this out and wants to make it a little special here because he, he in a sense, presents, all right, he's, he's finalized his journey. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to stay here the rest of his life, as we'll see uh, in a couple, in, uh, not this next chapter, but chapter after, in 35. He'll be moving again, but he's finished that journey that he started back when he left uh, Laban. But, uh, but we also see that he had bought this piece of land that his, his tent was pitched on. And uh, you're just as, uh, well, Abraham had bought a piece of land that became a, a burial tomb. But we'll see this same piece of land is where uh, Joseph will be... Uh, be buried at uh, 
uh, somebody after him? Well, I mean, like you have you know, different robbers and things of that sort that might have been intact in there. I uh, could have been making a, a play on words as far as the aspect of Esau wanting to leave with him men, uh, pretty much to give him a safe journey, but you didn't need the men. He still came safely. Uh, basically just showing that you know, the Lord watched over him. He didn't have any any aspects. You know, Esau didn't stand in his way. Esau didn't kill him. Anybody else didn't come up and, and try to overtake his army. You know, he, he made it safely, just as the Lord had told him that you know, he'd be with him. And so he made it safely to the, the city of Shechem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like when you arrived here this morning, you know, you, you arrived here safely. Uh, not necessarily that someone was out to attack you or anything, but you still you arrived at the building safely. But, oh, I see. I, when I flipped the page, I noticed where it was at. It was in uh, Joshua 24 and verse 32 is where we find that Joseph's uh, bones were buried here in this particular land when they came back, when the Israelites had come back into the, uh, or when they had come to conquer the land of Canaan. One other interesting uh, aspect that, that I came across as far as this that we don't really read in, in the scriptures of why he's in this land of uh, of, of Shechem was uh, that apparently he had dug some had dug a well at some point in time. In John chapter four and verse six, we read of Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman was sitting on you know, was was at this well uh, in Shechem. We don't know uh, the exact amount of time that he had stayed here within this land, as far as the land of Shechem here. I mean, obviously, he's going to be in this land throughout the next chapter. From what I was reading, though, once again, I don't know exactly how they come up with these time frames and everything, but it says that he would have been here for a minimal of about 10 to 12 years. So just throwing that out there, too, as far as this land of Shechem here. He purchased a piece of land and stayed at, what have you. But the altar that he he had Built there, you can only imagine once again as you think about it and think about the, the journey that he had taken, um, the encounter he, he was coming up with and, and so uh, worried about uh, with, with Esau, uh, the, the escape from Laban in a sense and the encounter that he had with Laban. And, and here he is, he's coming and he's built this altar and he's... Uh, and he, worships God here. And the name that I was trying to pronounce, uh, got a footnote here. It says literally God, the God of Israel. Uh, is what he called this altar. So we also, by the way, uh, this is the first time that we see his new name being referenced here as far as Israel goes, uh, that we had gotten from the struggle with the angel that he had in the previous chapter. Random on, ran, ran, uh, rambled on a lot up here, but any other thoughts or comments? All right. So the next chapter, we're going to start it up in verse 1. We're going we're gonna to read the first seven verses here and come back and make some comments here as far as what might be going on. Now, they're in the land of Shechem here. It says, Now Dinah, or Dana, uh, the daughter of Leah, 
whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamar, the uh, Havite, prince of the country, saw her, he took her and lay with her and violated her. His soul was strongly uh, attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman and spoke kindly to the young woman. So Shechem uh, told his father Hamar, saying, Get me this young woman as a wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter. Now his sons uh, were in the in his were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they had they came. Then Hamar the father of Shechem went out. Then Hamar the father of Shechem went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it, uh, and the men were grieved and very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by laying or by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing which ought not to be done. All right. So here we read of uh, Diana, which is the only daughter that we read about uh, or read of Jacob having. Now, when we were talking about uh, Jacob having children and and we came across this name, uh, I made quick reference to it uh, in the aspect. And I think Mike even made mention, says, you know, he may have had other daughters at this time. We just don't know. Uh, He may have had many other daughters. This is the only one that, that we read about, though, and I believe the reason why we, we learn of, of her birth when, we, when she had her, when he had her, uh, is because of this incident here, uh, so that we understand the, the family of where she came from as far as which wife uh, she had come from, although it does say it here in the text as well. But we have this daughter, and... Sources tell us that, that she could have been anywhere from 12 or from 13, 15 years old at uh, this time. It says that she goes out to see the daughters of the land. What do y'all think might have been going on here? Well, according to the writings of Josephus, uh, which he tells us that there uh, was a festival, festival in progress in the land at this time, uh, so it may have just been something more than just going out and, and seeing some school friends or something. You know? I mean, she might have just been going out to, to, um, to this festival. Uh, it's also a uh, wonder of, of whether or not you know, she had, had permission to leave the house to go out to do this, uh, whether or not you know, her, her mother and father, in a sense, had, had allowed her to go out. Um, could be that she was can't think of the word for it, uh, uh, wanting to leave, uh, being, um, don't know exactly what, it, what was going on as far as her leaving out. She did leave out, though. Uh, at this time period, like I said, it could be that there was a festival going on, what have you. But at the same time, we know that when she, she went out in Shechem, uh, or, yeah, Shechem, the, the, the prince of the land, uh, saw her, he took her. Now it says that he took her. 
lay with her and violated her. Now, he basically, he took her and raped her and then uh, locked her up. Locked her up in his home, didn't let her come out, what have you, from the uh, best I can gather what's going on here. And then, just as any spoiled uh, prince would be at the time, he goes to his father and says, you need to get this woman as a wife for me. And so his father goes out and finds out whose uh, daughter it is, if he didn't know already, and, uh, and went to Jacob. And then Jacob, and when, when his sons came in and, and his sons found out what had happened, it says they were grieved and very angry. Uh, I like what the NIV said here. The NIV says they were filled with grief and fury. I mean, this was, you know, uh, if I was to, to word it in, in something today, I'd say they were hot. They were just lit up and, uh, and, and just burning with anger, if you would. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and now... And it describes as the brothers being like this now. And I'd, in uh, Kaufman's commentary, it had made mention of this, and I thought it was, it was very good, and I thought I'd read it to you, uh, just straight of what he had, he had said here. It says, throughout the East uh, at the time, there was, a, there was a generally held opinion and evidence even today that a brother is more dishonored by the seduction of a sister than by the infidelity of a wife, because one may divorce a wife, but a sister or daughter always retains the relationship. Thought, hmm, that's a very good way of putting it. You know, so here we have the brothers burning with anger and, uh, and very, very upset of what they've learned happened with their sister. And keep in mind that, well, it doesn't, well, it doesn't point them out right now, but the brothers we're going to read about in a little bit, uh, the two uh, that, that start to make comments here are literally her blood brothers. They're not half-brothers or anything. So just keep that in mind as well when we get to those names. But any other thoughts or comments here before we keep going? Jacob had to keep a cool hit. Yeah, it did say that he held his peace. Um, when we get to the end of the chapter, I was going to make mention of how um, I wonder, I wonder why he didn't jump in and make you know, comments at the same time. Because basically, in a minute, we're going to see the brothers take over uh, throughout the story, and we don't really see Joseph's response until the or Joseph Jacob's response until the very end. Jacob definitely uh, was very careful in the way that he was. Uh, talking and wanting to speak, and I think part of the reason of why he, he kind of holds back is he just didn't know what to do. Jacob's still sneaky. Yep, yep. Plotting. Well, I think a lot of the plotting that happens in this chapter is more so from the, the sons, though, isn't it? It's not necessarily Jacob in a sense, because we'll, we'll read of how um, the sons were had spoke in a deceptive in, in deceitfulness. Picking up in verse 8, we're going to see, or it says, uh, But Hamar spoke with them, saying, The soul of, of, of my son Shechem longs, to, longs for your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife, and make marriages with us, 
Give your daughters to us and take our daughters to yourselves, so you shall dwell with us, and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it and acquire possessions uh, for yourselves in it. Then Shechem said to her father and her brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me, I will give. Ask me ever so much dowry and gift, and I will give according to what you say to me, but give me the young woman as a wife. What's one thing you you find very interesting in this little passage of Hamar and Shechem um, speaking to Jacob and his sons? Something that you don't find. Yes, sir. Well, he asked to seek favor in, in their eyes. Um, in, in allowing him to to buy or you know, give them whatever they asked for uh, to take the the woman as a wife, but and I mean maybe I'm wrong in this, but I don't see anywhere where they're making apologies. I don't see anywhere where they're you know, sorrowful for what they've done. They're just trying to. Well, actually, the father here is trying to, who's that? The son, the Shechem, and saying, let me find favor in your eyes. Whatever you say, I will give. I guess it possibly could, but I I don't know. I still don't see it too much in that. I think it's just more so of, let me have her. Oh, absolutely. Women more property. Um Yes, yes. She wasn't back here yet, and we'll see that towards the end of the story. That Absolutely. And just that, I'd actually had this in my notes for later on, but I think it fits a little better right here. Would there be a problem with that? Absolutely. Julie's shaking her head. Absolutely. I mean, the whole reason that, that God called Abraham out was to make it a special uh, nation, uh, a, a royal priesthood, but... And if they were to intermarry with, especially right here in the, in the land that they were going to be coming in to take over, uh, as, as what uh, God had told Abraham to begin with, says the iniquity has not been fulfilled yet. It has not been complete. Uh, so it would, have, it would have really caused a problem if they would have, uh, you, yeah, that, that's just, you know, Everybody be happy. You, know, you take our daughters, we take yours. You know, everything's going to be good. Um, because it wouldn't have been a, a set-apart nation at that time. Not to mention, I wanted to also point out, going on with what Jeremy's saying here, uh, over in, what verse was it? It was uh, 23. And this is, uh, and we'll read this in a moment, hopefully. Um, this is where... Uh, Shechem and his father, can't think of his name right now, um, speaking to, to their people saying, will not their livestock or will not their livestock, their property, and every animal of theirs be ours? Let us consent to them that uh, they will dwell with us, essentially meaning going along with what you're saying as far as the intermarrying. You know, I mean, look, if we do this, won't all that they have become ours as well? Because, you know, when we start intermarrying here and here and here and here, you know, we, we're going to 
we're all going to be a part of this. We're all going to have that kind of stuff. Um, so absolutely, just wanted to point that out. Yes, Jerry? Well, absolutely, in the, in the pagan idolatries that are going on in this land as well, which is the main reason why uh, he was going to give them this land was because of all the, the uh, idolatries. All right, verses 13 through 17, we have the, the uh, response of what's being said back. It says, But the sons of Jacob answered uh, Shechem and Hamar, his father, and spoke deceitfully because he had defiled uh, Dinah, their sister. Uh, and they said to, him, to them, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a reproach to us. But on this condition, we will consent to you if you will become as we are. If every male of you is circumcised, then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to us, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and be gone. Um, <laughs> and now keep in mind, this is the brothers uh, speaking up here and points out two brothers. Um, no, it doesn't point out two brothers yet. points them out later on at some point in time here. It talks about uh, Simeon and uh, Levi. Thank you, Jim. There, in verse uh, 25, it talks about them. Uh, specifically, uh, but it's, it says that the brothers, uh, but the sons of Jacob answered uh, them deceitfully in this manner, uh, there in verse 13. And the, uh, now, when, one of the thoughts that that, uh, that I'd read about here is maybe, maybe they didn't think that they would actually all agree to the circumcision. And they thought, well, maybe that's just the way we can get out of this. You know, uh, was was by the chance that none of them became circumcised. But and that could be. I'm not trying to to show any any uh, disregard for that that thought. But the aspect that they spoke deceitfully, and later on we'll read of how that after they're circumcised, they waited until the third day. You know, they 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 had a plan in mind. This wasn't just a, a, man, I hope they don't actually agree to this type of thought. They had a plan. They were going to uh, take care of this situation themselves, um, which, like I made mention of, it, it really makes me wonder what Jacob had in mind here, what his thoughts were on all this, because I mean, why would he even let them go with this thought process and let them go back to, to their their uh, country here and or their town, their city, and, and talk about you know, them being circumcised so that they can uh, become one with them and what have you. just really doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me as far as Jacob's standpoint goes, um, unless he was just doing the hands-off-the-wheel process and be like, well, let's just see how this plays out type situation, but there at the end of the chapter, we see how he's extremely displeased in what happens, but at the same time, you know, what was, what was his thoughts going on? It just makes me wonder. Right, and it could be, and to be honest, back when we were reading about 
when Abraham sent his servant over to, um, to basically um, Rebekah's family's house, in a sense, to, to get a, a, no, to his brother's house. Abraham sent his servant over, and he ended up at his brother's house and brought back Rebekah. And Laban, if you remember right, was the one that, was, that had basically set their agreements up uh, for Rebekah to leave and go back uh, with Abraham's servant to be Isaac's wife. And back at that time, you know, because I'd made the mention that it could be that uh, uh, Laban and Rebekah's father had passed and what have you, but back in that time, I did read, and I don't know why it popped in my mind when, when I was uh, going over this, that it was typical, and I don't know this for sure, this is just what I read, that it was typical that the brothers of the of the daughters, the brothers of the, the, the brother of the sister would be the one that makes the, the uh, their agreements for, for that kind of situation as far as marriage and what have you. So whether that be the case or not, I don't know. But just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, any other thoughts or comments? Our time is up. Thank you very much.